Marketing Made Easy, the podcast. Now here are your hosts from Get Savvy Club, Anna Geary and Anita Baldwin. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Marketing Made Easy from the Get Savvy Club. Anna Geary and Anita Baldwin here. How are you doing Anita? Today I am really good. Today's episode um, is with a lovely guy called Steve Guest. I've actually met Steve in real life. See, our guest is Steve Guest. Steve <laughs> Guest. Yeah, keep going. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we, we met a, a, a property networking I think many many years ago and actually got chatting because we both got background in recruitment and such like but he's really taken rather than just being successful in recruitment that he is that he is um he decided to help other recruiters which is not very heard of if i'm honest with you because it's quite a dog eat dog um sort of industry um but yeah he's, he's helped a lot of recruiters and he's written a couple of books um so he, he's um yeah at the forefront the expert at the leader in his field if you like um with with the recruiting so uh, there's a few sort of uh, nuggets in here as well, which we try and teach you about your social media and being that leader, being that personality. Even if you're not, this is a great one because he's not a really, really like extroverted person. He's quite unassuming and calm um, and yet he's still making waves. So you can be. Um, so yeah, let's get into it. If you're enjoying Marketing Made Easy, the podcast from Get Savvy Club, use your podcast app to rate, review and subscribe. If you want to tell us, Steve, a little bit about yourself, your background, how you add value to the world, no pressure. I've been in recruitment 16 years. I've, I've built and grown recruitment regions. Um, personally, I've recruited for commercial construction staff, graduates up to directors. Uh, I've wrote a couple of books. I currently run what I now call the 12-week recruitment mastery program. I also have a, a Facebook community for recruiters, um, which is global. And we look to add value and help and support recruiters that are looking to be better and, I suppose, build more and be more successful. Do you know when I was in recruitment, I did 17 years in recruitment, so you're nearly there. Um, <laughs> I had this exact idea of what you're doing, but and um, lots of people used to, when I mentioned it to people, they'd say, yeah, that's a good idea. I mean, it is a great idea, but I lost my personal passion for doing that. I was more dicking about on Facebook <laughs> and LinkedIn and all other things. So, but it's it's a great idea and really, really needed, I think, for that recruitment kind of world, if you like, because it would be nice for it to be less dog eat dog and more yeah. inclusive and everybody supporting each other. Because there's so many ways you could be in recruitment and somebody else is in recruitment, but you're not competitors at all. Because more and more to be good in recruitment, you need to niche down don't you like you said you did construction yeah. you need really to, to choose your your zone of genius i would have thought i was always taught to you ring fence everything you bring fence your clients your candidates you don't share anything that's even top internal draw. conversation yeah top draw you don't yeah. want to do splits you want to hide the best candidates and work with them yourself and that was how i kind of started in recruitment and I think if anything, the pandemic and being in lockdown and, and lots of recruiters either being on furlough or sat at home and feeling a little bit insecure and a little bit nervous. It's one of the reasons why I set up the Facebook group. The initial thought at the start, if I'm honest, I thought I was going to get lots of big egos, lots of kind of sticking your chest out and I'm better than you and yeah. high-fiving type. Passive-aggressive. Yeah, <laughs> and just, I don't know what it is. There's always this reputation within recruitment that you've just got to either put people down or say you're at the top and, and this is where it is and I didn't want the group to be about ego I wanted it to be collaborative I wanted to share ideas best practice processes 
and we created or created three hashtags because a lot of people were at home as well. We had hashtag rant Tuesday. So you could come into the group and just have a moan. So something's gone wrong. Someone's let you down. Something's happened that's affected what you do. You can just let off a bit of steam and everyone can either agree with you or at least help to motivate you. We had hashtag collaboration Wednesday. So if you register vacancy that wasn't your market or you've got a candidate that you wanted to help but couldn't find them anything, you could come into the group and say, can you help me with this? I um, registered a few IT vacancies, which just isn't me. So I was able to put five new roles in a group that then the IT recruiters could pick up. Um, and then we had hashtag winners Friday. So you ended the week by saying what you've achieved this week. And it could be really little. It could be that you've actually, I don't know, gone for a run every morning or you've, you've just achieved something and you can celebrate it with a collective yeah. group of recruiters. Um, it's grown to, what, 1,300 people now. And that's and it's global. And we don't have any egos in there. I've evicted, so, I've evicted one person. In it's not bad. Was it Anna? Back in the day. <laughs> <laughs> you wouldn't have been back in the day, no doubt. Yeah. One reason, personal gain. <laughs> that was the old me. Uh, but I think business has moved on, and so, yeah. so has recruitment to a certain extent, because, it ha you know, you only survived. Like you said, you were like that in the early days. But if you weren't like that, you wouldn't have survived in recruitment. That was just fact. And I think business has evolved. I think how some of my um, old bosses, used to speak to me in my early days of recruitment you would never speak to anybody like that at, you know no. in this day and age it just wouldn't be a thing that you'd ever be able to speak to your employees yeah. in that way but it either motivated people or made people leave and for me it motivated me um to do better and i'll show them and blah 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 so it kind of worked on my personality but there's no room in business to be how how vile some of them were it's like that sector that time forgot and it's it's full mm. of very gifted salespeople but quite often I mean there's lots of things about mental health now and well-being and ensuring that you're doing things in the right way and I think if you think about the pressures and how consultants are targeted and KPI'd you would never be would never have a moment where you go to your boss and say I'm not feeling motivated this week or I don't feel like making any calls today I don't feel like I'm really up for it what can I do because you'd be like put through tribunals and underperformance management and all sorts. So is the aim of what you do to provide support or are you giving them training to make them better at what they do or is it about collaboration? It's everything. Okay. So I, I came into recruitment from, I'm a qualified strategic buyer by background. I am spreadsheet savvy, borderline OCD, process procedure. Everything's got its place. I don't even know what that job is. What does that mean? <laughs> Well, strategic yeah. buy. So I worked for Seven Trent Water, which was a public sector utility, and I negotiated multi-million pound frameworks and contracts that Seven Trent would uh, take on board for, I mean, one of my contracts was gunmetal fittings that attached all the pipe works that go underground. Oh. Highly valuable contract and, and very much needed, but I would spend my time looking at a price. So a gunmetal fitting, £3.50, £4 a unit, I would break it down into its raw material costs, its shipping costs to get to here, and then the foundry and the manufacturing costs. So like procurement, we used to have yeah, a procurement. Yeah, yeah, exactly that. So I spent two, three years working with salespeople that generally let me down or didn't turn up, didn't do what they said they were going to do, said one thing and did the other, 
or they'd ring up with a big sales pitch and you'd never hear from them again. And I went into recruitment initially being told I didn't have the right character traits, didn't fit the profile, would never make it as a recruiter. Who told you that? It was the very company that I ended up being employed by, but it was a different division. So I went to go and recruit for purchasing staff. Purchasing supply division said, that feedback I wasn't suitable so how did you take that then what how was Not that very well. if someone said that to me it would I'd find that really hard whereas if someone said that to Anna she'd be like well I'm gonna do it anyway so it's well, just that, about that your own yeah. I, yeah. I sat there and thought mm. I know how I'd been let down by salespeople. so I simply knew if I just corrected those pain points and just conducted a good service called when I said I was going to call <laughs> went and looked at those people and, and achieved that result and just work to do it, I would be better than most salespeople. I also knew that where I worked as a buyer, I picked up a basic salary. I could save a fortune, and I'm talking millions of pounds, and I'd get a pat on the back, and Mm -hmm. here's the next contract. There was no way of me earning more other than promotions, which took an eon to get there. I knew within recruitment, in theory, you get paid for how hard you work or how successful or good you can become. If it paints a picture, I was on, I think as a buyer, I was on about 25K. This is going back 17, 18 years. And when I was employed in my first recruitment job, I was paid 12. So I halved my salary to start as a recruiter. So in theory, felt like I'd gone backwards. I think I had a guarantee for six months to take it up to 16 or 17 grand memory so i knew i had to make it work to even get close to where i was previously earning but i knew that's not even a thing anymore now it used to be that all salespeople were on a basic low basic because then they were hungry to go and get the sales whereas now you know like i haven't been in corporate for a while but last time i was marketing obviously worked really closely with sales and sales basic now is like 35 grand They don't need to make a single sale. But I guess it's kind of trying to change that culture of the dog-eat-dog. It was, A, proving the doubters wrong. When I started, I was the quickest trainee to get promoted, the quickest trainee to consultant, quickest consultant to senior. I still hold the regional billing records now that was set in 2007. And I used to respond to the guys that said I wasn't suitable and basically say, look at what you could have had. Pretty woman moment. (laughs) (laughs) If I'm honest, I think if I hadn't have had that rejection, I wouldn't have been the consultant I was. Mm, yeah. I think I needed that. So I'm it does work, in a strange though, way, really grateful that it happened. It does work for some people. Some people it would like destroy their confidence. Actually, sometimes that when you look back, some of the things that probably weren't kind or were tough or yeah. were the ones that shaped you. Like whenever my kids moan, I always go character building. Um, <laughs> they're complaining about their hardships. I remind yeah. them it's just character building. It is um, though, isn't it? I, I could have been rejected and just walked away and thought recruitment's exactly. not for me. They've told me I'm not suitable, so why should I even bother? I'll go back to doing buying and, and whatever else, which would have probably been the easiest. And a lot of people would have done that. Yeah. yeah. But at the same time, I think I had a point to prove. And yeah. one of the big reasons behind the first book I wrote, which is called Top Biller, is basically to empower those people that you could be the quiet, unassuming type that sits at the back of the, back of the room and you've got all these really loud salespeople ringing the bell and gonging the whatever and high I've got a bell for that moment. Yeah, She's got saying, yeah look got at a me. Hotel lobby bell. But actually, if you just go out and achieve what you say you're going to achieve or do what you say you're going to do, you can be just as successful. You don't need to shout it from the hilltops. No. Um, yeah, there are. There are. They don't need to be that personality, yeah. Completely. And I think 
I think the recruitment market has shifted. It has changed, but there's still that element to it. Um, I was told, um, again, this might have morphed over the years, but I'm pretty sure it was if you don't make a placement in the first three months, that's generally the end of it. And that's pretty tough going. Because you carry all the pressures with it, and obviously, and it doesn't learning. mean to say you're you're better or worse. Because somebody can make you call the first day, get a job, fill it, and it's just luck. Because you do, there's a, there isn't a, there is a lot of luck in recruitment as well. You make your own luck because you work harder, but ultimately, so I believe that. Funnily enough, the more calls you make, the luckier yeah. you get. You but know. also, you can like do everything right through a whole of a process, and then your your person, you and you, maybe you've got like a role that's like a senior senior finance role that's going to bring you in thousands and thousands of pounds worth of commission um, and your person gets all the way through it has like, all these interviews and then they come very very close second <laughs> and you've done nothing wrong you've just not got that 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 particular person at that time but you've still done all the work and you get nothing and then you so you back. were on a basic of 12 by the time yeah. you were at this high level what were you taking home on top of that then do you know what i, I couldn't tell you um it was a decent amount Mm. I mean, my best best month when I first started paid for our wedding and honeymoon. It was good. But I think, I say, I think there was two drivers there. Obviously, it was money-orientated. Um, I've been with my wife 21 years this year. We met as holiday reps. Emma was... Aww. I saw a post you did on LinkedIn about that the other. When was it? A few weeks ago. We did a picture of both when you were at, uh, at the holiday rip. Which which company was it you worked at? It was JMC. Oh, so no. John Mason Cook, son of Thomas Cook, um, yeah. and we worked in Fort Ventura for two seasons, and we did a ski season in Andorra. Oh, nice. Um, I want my kids to do a ski season. Hard work, but good well, fun. I say ski season in the loosest terms. I think we went on a ski lift four times in four or five months. <laughs> oh, <wow. laughs> that's my kind of ski holiday. Yeah, that's what the last like ski holiday I, I had was Andorra, actually. It was lovely. Nicer than I thought it was going to be for some reason. Yeah, it's a lovely place. And mm. Emma went straight into recruitment. That's what she wanted to do. She was highly successful. And at the time, uh, when I got into it, we worked for the same division and same company. So we were the highest performing perm consultant, which was me. And Emma Our was team. the highest temp consultant. And it worked really well. We When we got married and... Surprised um, they let you have the same time off. Or travel on a plane together. What if that yeah. plane had gone down? No, but you know what they like in recruitment. You could what's off, you can't yeah. have other people off at the same yeah. time. I never really thought about it like that. <laughs> we came back, em, Emma went off to work uh somewhere else. I'd got headhunted to set up a new division and new region for a company called Fast Track and I opened their office in Sutton Coalfield, two thousand eight, recession. Construction mm. being probably one of the hardest hit markets. Yeah, it was. Yeah, uh, six months restrictive covenants. It was it was a really tough six to twelve months, and I grew that. Opened their Manchester office two thousand fifteen. Had nineteen staff across the two offices. Sales turnover of about seven million, and I loved it. To be honest, I had some really good staff. It was a core. So while you were at that level, were you still a recruiter, or were you just like a I manager? Still am a recruiter. Just, just, yeah. So you were. You didn't like become just a manager kind of thing. You still did the job. No, I've always, I've always recruited the same desk, and I, I still do it now. I enjoy the buzz of placements. I enjoy knowing my market. The graduates that I placed sixteen years ago, and now my clients at commercial manager, commercial oh, director that's level. When that happens, isn't it? Um, the little yeah, temp purchase ledger clerks that I've placed like years ago then end up being like finance directors. It's funny, isn't it? Oh. Yeah, yeah, satisfying. I enjoy my market, but I think I always had the thought process that 
I don't expect anyone to do anything I'm not doing. And if I'm, if I can lead from the front and say, look, this is, mm. this works, people are more likely to invest in me and respect me as a manager, but also know that if they get their heads down and work hard, they'll be rewarded and they'll do well. That was always my thought process. I did yeah, have I agree. discussions with the MD that would always say, come on, you need to come step away from billing and motivate and incentivize your staff and spend your time doing that, which I get. But I, th I think for me, it was always a balance of, yes, doing the leadership parts and the management and the reviews and, um, and the training. But I still wanted to keep my, I suppose, my toe in the, in the market. Yeah, the cold face, yeah. I think so. And it, I, as I say, it's always been important to me. Um, and I, I, as I say, I think it allowed me, when one of the big pitches for the Recruitment Mastery Programme, which is virtual online and trains recruiters on a, on a global scale now, I still go through the day-to-day -day recruitment pains and problems and issues yeah. and legislation and changes in whatever we've got to do or the hurdles we've got to jump. My issues or problems that I've encountered with consultants over the years on training programmes is they're being taught by someone that stopped recruiting in the 90s. It's very <laughs> yeah. You've got a guy or a girl, a woman at the front saying, you need to go back and make 20 sales calls. Yeah. And they haven't made a sales call since... 1994 yeah and also we have so social media now don't we so i, I remember um, when linkedin became a first thing and really early on i was like guys this is not just where people can just shove their cvs this is so more than much more than this we can all the things and the, i used to get a lot of grief about oh i don't know with the linkedin oh, seriously guys you need to and then no, but if you don't I'll, understand I'll, something knock it now, actually, still in recruitment consultancies, there still are people that still don't embrace. Really? I was going to say they're not laughing now, but they, yeah. they, they, they might, no, might half-heartedly go on and um, try and use Sales Navigator or something to try and find if they've got a struggle, if they're struggling, and then they'll just spam a load of people that, are, that look relatively like maybe. Yeah. They yeah, I get messages saying, look, look, this job's great for you. And I'm like, I didn't know I was looking for it. I thought I had one. They need Get Savvy Club to help them use LinkedIn effectively. Get in contact. Get, get in. Most recruiters, as you've just said, use LinkedIn as a search tool. Mm. And then once they've found people that suit the, the role or vacancy that they're looking for, they send loads of emails, messages, and that's how they use it, or they use short-term thinking, isn't it? Yeah, or Navigator, and it's about sending emails or messages. Mm. I remember going up to Manchester, and there was a recruiter we took on, relatively new to the market. Um, but I always used to get up to Manchester about half seven, eight in the morning, and I'd watch or observe the consultants in the morning, see how they're working and what they're doing, and then we'd sit down in the afternoon and, and perhaps do a little one-to-one -one review or talk through any problems or things and there was one consultant and it was about half ten and he was sat there with his arms folded like this I was like are you, are you okay mm -hmm. yeah yeah I went what are you doing <laughs> he said well I've, I've sent out uh, 100 email messages which was my target this morning uh, I'm just waiting for the responses <laughs> <laughs> that he's really successful now <laughs> I'm like what <laughs> I said that the message, once you've sent a message, you've lost control. Yeah. Once that's gone, you can't then send another message, or at least you need to wait a bit of time. But you've handed everything across. The best things to do for me to build relationships in, in recruitment and, and sales is to have a conversation. If you can't have the conversation, okay, maybe drop a message. But the message should be a hook 
to say we need to speak or we need to do yeah. something that engages that person. If you're saying to, I don't know, let's say a site manager, I've got this great site manager role that you need to apply for. I think you'd be really suitable having looked at your profile. Give me a call when you're free. Here's my number. 99 times out of 100 people aren't going to respond to that. No. Because you're telling them what you've got, not what they need. 90% of my placements this year have come from me posting a post and somebody responding to me. So yes. inbound lead, not me yeah. chasing anyone, not me doing anything, but it's about showing a mix of personal branding posts, business branding posts, and live opportunities that somebody might be interested in. And because I've got an engaged network, people share that with their network, which means my one message goes to thousands of people instantly, and it's not me having to ring 20, 30 people a day, which I still do, by the way. <laughs> but yeah. you're hitting all bases really yeah. quickly if you can spend your time targeting the people you want to talk to and putting a message out so things are working in the background while you're doing your sales activity. Hear that, what Steve just said there. <laughs> that is precisely what we teach all day, yeah. every day. And for people just to get it, it works, it works. And it's far more pleasant to have people reaching out because they want to speak to you than yeah. you bothering and interrupting their day with a you know yeah. cold spammy message about something. I had an, that's, an that's example. You. Like, what, always think what's in it for you. Like yeah. You're looking to fill your job, so you're going out like spamming. Get the look, look, look at this, look at this. Um, instead of them going, oh, that looks interesting, I'll come to you. I'm going back two or three months now, and I'd had three people on interview with this client for commercial manager position. The client rang me on a um, it's kind of mid-morning, I think, on the Friday, and said, Steve, I've seen all three. I'm not sure any of them quite tick the boxes. It's just something quite not, not quite there for, for each one we've seen. I think we need to go back out to market and see if we can find anybody else. Obviously, I get off that call feeling really disappointed because I thought at least one of them would have been taken on. I put a post out Friday afternoon saying, commercial manager role requires this, 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 and this, exciting opportunity, the normal sort of stuff. And somebody I didn't even know was in my network dropped me a message and said, I could be interested in this, can you give me a call? That person interviewed Monday morning, was offered Monday afternoon, started four weeks later. Yes. The rest is history. And you could say I didn't do any more work after that, but the work comes before that. Yeah, it's oh, all yeah. about because people say social media doesn't work for me, but it doesn't if you just decide that day to you're going to start using it. You've got to build up. It's like we um, used to do these one-to-ones, which were like um, – we don't do them anymore, but like one off. What do you call them, Anita? Strategy like, sessions. Strategy sessions. That's it. Strategy a two-hour session. Two-hour session, mm-hmm. and um, it was decent, decent money for us and stuff. And we'd give a lot of gold. And people, it was frustrating because actually, that's not where the magic happens of them knowing all the stuff. It's so that now, if anybody works with us, really minimum they 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 can do is join our academy, which is a monthly membership. Other than that, the programs are like ninety days or six months yeah. because. You or a year. need to, or yes, because you need to embody this. You need you need to have time to to get your head around it and to make the transformation and build your audience. You know, I don't care what um, different people are out there saying. You don't need an audience to make money using social media. You absolutely do. I coach and, and talk to consultants about the fact that you've just got to keep turning up. People yeah. don't necessarily remember the. And it sounds either. like oh, that's easy, but it's not. You know, it's it, it's easy to do, but lots of people don't do it be present every single day do it for a week and stop mm. or yeah. they'll think that's a great post spend loads of time doing it and then it gets no engagement they think well yeah. that's a waste of time but that had loads of value 
some of the most valuable posts that I think will give the most value and I'll put out and nobody engages. Yeah, yeah. it's always frustrating, isn't it? Then you put something you yeah. out and yeah. loads of people you jump put something like, what's wrong with LinkedIn today? <laughs> it's crazy. And you're like, yeah. that's got no value at all. Yeah, yeah. But you're right in that often people will come to you, like the guy who um, was interested in the job, and you've they've never commented on anything, you've never I, interacted with them in any way, yet they know you, they've seen your stuff, and they're just lurking, ready to jump. So you just, you can't judge it based on um, the immediate results you get. You have to have it. It's a long-term thing, isn't it? I think as a recruiter as well, and I say this to anybody that I talk to in terms of social media, as a recruiter, if I, let's say I put a post out for that commercial manager role, the person that I ended up placing did not comment or like that post. Why would they? Yeah. They don't want mm. to advertise that they're looking for a move. Yeah. And equally, my clients aren't going to like or comment on the post because they equally don't want to say, we're looking for a commercial manager too. Yeah, yeah, you've got a hard job there, actually, because yeah. people don't want to come out of the closet, as it were, until you know, they're <laughs> ready to show their hands. That yeah. I've got a relationship with don't want to advertise that they're friends or networked with a recruiter. Clients don't want to advertise that they're networked with a recruiter because they don't want other recruiters to then contact them. Yeah. So I'm already onto a loser and I haven't put a post out yet. No one wants to engage with you. Yeah, I'm <laughs> questioning why we don't get engaged. And also just the fact that you're a rec recruiter. Yeah, people, people don't like recruiters. <laughs> no, they don't. As bad as estate agents to say, well, don't I they? Yeah. I split my posts each week and I try and get out 10 posts a week, two a day, one in the morning, one in the afternoon. And I do it seven about the business or about my market, what I recruit for, two about me, so personal to me, what motivates me, what do I do on good days, bad days, what do I do outside of work? And then I do a post that's got a trending nature. So what is being talked about the most within that week? If I can split that up, generally I'm going to get engagement from people where I'm not necessarily offering a sales or a pitch mm. or something that's saying I need this. And if you split it in a way that actually people just start to get to know you and you engage in other people's posts, your posts tend to go a little bit further. And you get out what you put in, like anything yeah, else. Yeah, very much so. And yeah. it, it can be quite difficult. I have a lot of people say, well, how do you know what to post? Well, Yeah, we get that a lot as well. Yeah, if you ask questions every day, that's the post because mm. that's where you're offering value, whatever that might be. How do you conduct your service? How do you manage a candidate? What do you do to make sure we get the best people? How do you find the best people? It's all those sorts of things that I think quite often we as, or certainly as recruiters or salespeople, we take for granted. Mm. But actually everybody wants to know. Yeah. So why not use that as your content? So do you think that um, you've like found your calling in recruitment now? You obviously did something very different and then now you're doing this, but you've been doing this for a long while and you've got yeah. a Facebook group and all of that. Is this your passion I do enjoy it. I'm, I'm very much um, a person that just likes to keep moving forward. Mm -hmm. and I'm very targeted and I set specific goals, whether that's in life, finance, wealth, business, whatever it might be. And I just want to improve year on year. I read a lot. Um, things like reading, um, writing Top Biller, that came from reading A Key Person of Influence by Daniel Priestley. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I have lots of online assets and, and various things and my character traits is very risk averse, very unassuming, the quiet one that sits at the back. And everything that I'm doing now is definitely outside of my normal, I suppose, thought process or character traits. Outside your comfort zone as well. Do you have to kind of like take a deep breath and do it or because it's not necessarily natural? In the pandemic, I was, it was probably about two months in 
Um, there's the recruitment network. They are global. I mean, they've got a huge following. And I got a message to say, would you be a guest speaker? I've never done guest speaking. And it was virtual, so it was probably a little bit of a let off because I wasn't in front of a live audience. <laughs> not standing with your knees not in, daunting, yeah. Not quite bad, but mm. it was a Friday night. I'd had a couple of whiskeys watching the telly. So <laughs> maybe I was a little bit more naive, I don't know. But I just said, yeah, I'll do it, not a problem. And then realised that it was a 30-minute talk that I had to record at home with two young children, a puppy and my wife <laughs> in the house. I think, we, I think I sent her out doing car park bingo with the kids and the dog. Oh. I had an hour window to record the half. No, more pressure though. Yeah, and it just had to get done. Yeah. But obviously, I must have spent before doing it the whole week fretting. It's not comfortable. You don't want to make mistakes. You don't want to look stupid. You don't want to say the wrong thing. But actually, everything's in your head. I think it's just a collection of lots of hurdles we put in our head. Yeah. that stop us from doing things. And I've just learned to kind of just knock them out of the way and do it anyway. Because if you want to get to that next level, whatever that looks like, then you need to. So how was, what's the process like of actually writing the book then? How did you sort of go about that? Did you have like a system? Did you take yourself away? Yeah. The idea of the book, as I say, was key person of influence. I looked at recruitment books on Amazon. There was about six or seven. I tried reading a few, but they're very, I suppose, like textbooks. And they're quite long-winded. And Dry. I wasn't really... Yeah, just yeah. there wasn't much enjoyment from reading them. Whilst I'm sure they were very good, I never finished any of them. Mm. And I just thought, you know what, I, I want to write a book that is a story that is engaging, entertaining, has a little bit of lightheartedness to it, but actually there's lots of value that people can learn from. So I started to make notes. I think I'd wrote 15,000, 20,000 words of, I suppose, my journey. And then I got a bit fed up. Um, work took over so I had about four or five month break and then I got towards Christmas 2018 I think it was and I just thought you know what I've just got to get it done because there was nothing at that time making me just do it so I rang a self-publisher person and said I'm here how many words do I need if we were to say let's it needs to be done by July can we agree a date? I can pay you some money, so I'm accountable. Yeah. Just, just get it done. Um, so from the January of that year, I was getting up at five. I was getting into the office for half five, and I was having an hour or so before the consultants arrived where I could just do some writing. And what I used to do the day before, I'd think of a question that I'd either been asked or a question that I thought would give value to the reader, and I would spend that morning answering the question. Yeah. And then that gave me some content, and then I'll do the next day with a new question, and I'll try. And isn't that frustrating though? Because I sometimes, you know, when you get really into something and you're enjoying doing it, and then you've got to stop yeah. because you've only got an hour, and then you're like, oh god, I just want to carry on with that thing. Yeah, yeah but even if you don't, if you really don't want to do it that day, you've only got an hour. <laughs> do you know what well, I mean? And that's it. And because yeah. you make the effort, and it's cold, and it's dark, and it's horrible. And you sat in an office with nobody in it, and all the windows are dark because it's so dark. If anything, I think I probably found it really good. It was a bit of me time as well. Yeah, I'd love that. I was just thinking that sounds ideal for me. I love the early morning before everybody's up. Well, that's it. And as I say, I think I think that process worked for me because it was structured and then it allowed me to kind of break each part into sections and then put them into chapters. Um, and I, I remember sitting in a seminar, social media seminar actually in London. It was a three-day event. And the guy doing the talk said, there was about 80 people in the room, how many of you have wrote a book? 
um, and there's about seven or eight hands went up <clears throat> and he said how many of you have sold more than 50 copies and all the hands went down and i was like oh 50 <laughs> copies i'm doing all this for 50 copies <laughs> yeah um, so it kind of gave me the first thought process i thought well if i can sell 51 i'm the best person in that room and so i've had good sold way. And how many have you sold it's the first book 52. now <laughs> Six for sure, six thousand. Awesome, um, forty-five countries it's sold in. Mm. Um, and the second book, a personal brand story, which is published August of this year, I think it's just past the thousand copies sold, mm. and I think it's about twelve countries. Just um, shows how much there was a need for a book like Top Villa at that time. It's, it, to be honest, it's been really humbling, and I didn't really have any expectation. I wrote it for it to be my business card. I mm. wanted it to be. Yeah you become the recruiter that wrote a book. Yeah, because yeah. then you're, yeah, it elevates you, doesn't it? It's, it's like, well, author. similar to, you know, having a podcast. It, it yeah. just positions you that bit bit, bit higher than everyone else, as bad as that sounds, but it just does because if you're, if you wrote it the book on it. It just gives you some more credibility, doesn't yeah. it? That's... It does, and it just changes yeah. the conversation. I go on client meetings now. Well, even at, at Fast Track in my last place, I had consultants going to meetings and they were talking about me in the social media videos I was putting out or Steve top is that top biller Steve yeah. uh, and it just it it made the meetings warmer but there was always always that connection yeah uh, now when I go out and we give merchandise so we do our desk pads and pens and, and whatever else each client gets a copy of each book that's good nice, and it yeah. gives them an insight as well into how we work as how a, hard you know, it is to be a recruitment consultant <laughs> which actually brings us nicely onto one of the questions we always ask everybody who um, appears on our podcast and that is to recommend a book so a development book a business book your own book um, yeah which book can you recommend for us I'll name a few. To have a look at? The, book, the books that have made the biggest difference to me Rich Dad Poor Dad Robert Kiyosaki mm -hmm. which yeah. I imagine most have read The Compound Effect Darren Hardy yeah. People have influence oversubscribe both Daniel Priestley. Oh, there's just so many. Any of those, if you haven't read them, you should yeah. read them. You need to stop talking because one of the things we do is give away a free book. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> We've got this list of somebody. Yeah, basically, if anyone tags this, um, screenshots they this can pick one. <laughs> and, yeah, and then tags, tags us in it, we give away the book. So we'll probably get like one of your books to give away and then one of them, the one that they've Well, I'll tell you what, book. I'll quite happily give five books away. If oh, people come good. back to you and ask questions or comment on their favourite bit of this podcast or this conversation, let me know and I'll, I'll send some out. That's nice. And another question we always ask is, uh, what makes you savvy? Because we're the Get Savvy Club. I think it's because I've bucked the trend. I was told no and I've proved them wrong. I still do now. It's okay to be different. It's okay to be the quiet, unassuming person that... It's okay not to be believed in by somebody who you don't even know. Don't let that person's okay. opinion yeah. influence how you feel about yourself. That's a fantastic if, if anything, message. Use it as fuel to your fire and say, yeah. what do you get? 100%. So where can people find you if they want to know um, more about you? I spend most of my time on LinkedIn, so that's probably the easiest so way. So we can all connect with you on LinkedIn. Anyway. Screenshot this and tag us in it. Tag Steve in it and we'll get a book to you. Well, if you're one of the five big people anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for coming on. See you I soon. want one. Take care. Bye. Bye. If you're enjoying Marketing Made Easy, the podcast from Get Savvy Club, use your podcast app to rate, review and subscribe. Fantastic. What a lovely guy. Clearly knows his stuff. And um, I've kind of got that motor, that inner 
kind of motivation to just get out and do it, which I really like. So also he was uh, lovely enough to say he's happy to give away five of his books. So one's already been bagseed. So there's four to go. Let us know or let him know and you can get one of those free. I might do that myself, actually. No, you're um, not allowed. Aren't you? Aren't you no. I've got loads no, of names. I'll use one of my other ones. Terms and conditions. I know all your names. I don't know if I can remember them all. One might sneak through. He also uh, recommended a load of other books as well. So, um, yeah, pick one. Give, you know, uh, tag us. Um, take a screenshot to show us you've listened to the episode. Put it on social media. Tag us and we'll send you one of those books and you can pick which one is best. And um, do you know what? I'm actually jealous of the fact that he's written two books and I'm listening to... Uh, at the moment, the new Mel Robbins book, The High Five Habit, and in it yeah. she talks about how jealousy, you're only jealous of things that you desire and actually should flip it on his head and use it as inspiration. So I'm only jealous that he's written those books because I want to have written mm -hmm. the book. We've talked about it for so yeah. long. So what I need to do, instead of just going, oh, it's all right for him, what I need to do, flip it on his head and make a plan to actually finish our book, although getting up at five o'clock every morning is um it's probably not going to be my plan. I don't know what it is yet, but I'm yeah, definitely you get up early anyway. But for him to get up, recruiters uh, start early, finish late anyway. So to get up an additional hour early and then to get to the office and sit there is like hard. But I get up early, then I've got the kids, and although they get the bus, yeah. I still have to make sure they've done all the bits and all, you know all of that. So um so yeah, I don't necessarily get time to myself. But there will be away i just need to find it anyway that's enough about me this yeah. was are we another... going to join we've got one we're joint writing aren't we we're we going to joint writing so we'll write that and then just yeah. get it out there isn't it yeah. it's not that hard sure my dream is that i go somewhere like warm like a nice villa on my own you know like a holiday alone and just have like zen and peace and do my writing and all of that until that happens which is never no, gonna happen because if it? we're doing a joint book you're gonna have me there so forget you then write one too <laughs> oh, are you? What's your What's yours going to be about? Then something different. Well, still our stuff. We've oh, got loads okay. in us. We've got loads of books. In yeah, us we now. have got loads of books. Yeah, yeah. Just get it done. But I won't be sitting sat there writing my own because I think just get like talking at someone's probably going to be a better thing if that person yeah. is more. If that's know your job, contact us and maybe we can talk. Yeah, as you, you can yeah. write it down. Yeah, that's, yeah that's, a lot of people do it like that because you've got the information in your head, but yeah. you know, actually to physically sit and write is a different thing, isn't it? Cool. Anyway, but anyway, don't miss out because um, on Thursday it'll be the Get Savvy Quickie, always useful. Um, and then next week we'll have another interview with someone who knows who yet. Yep. So anyway, See you soon. have a fantastic day. See you soon. Bye. Bye. That was Marketing Made Easy, the podcast from Get Savvy Club. If you enjoyed it, join our Facebook group. Just search Get Savvy Club.